Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You said we have room for one more. Yeah, why? You should bring Naomi home. is over but we have to go back down the hatch it's the lost rewatch podcast here on Poto recaps talking season four episode three of lost the economist and right now you're listening of course to uh the penultimate scene of the economist in which uh saeed Jarrah leaves the island uh not for the last time but for the first time and that is sort of a big deal isn't it mike bloom it really is, though I think I misunderstood the assignment because I caught up on decades of reading of the popular publication, The Economist. I thought we were taking a break from Lost to focus on rising inflation well, and, you know, bond yields. We were going to save that for the book club, I think, the inevitable book club that we were going to do for season three. Um, but... If you want, you can catch me up on that stuff, and I can tell you what happened in The Economist. Oh, this is fun. We should sort of, like, meet in the middle. Though maybe it actually is very pertinent for this episode because you and I sort of are working with different intentions in mind, right? We have different purposes, different bosses, and we are metaphorically getting in bed together to see who will ultimately betray whom. Yeah. Uh, Show me uh, where to get a cup of coffee, please. Oh, my God. And where do I straighten my hair? (laughs) That's the thing. I, I, I wish we had seen... The scene where Saeed has to get the adapter to plug his hair straightener in the bathroom <laughs> when he's in Germany. Because you know those things are a bitch to figure out, to truly figure out, all right, I'm going undercover on the scene, but I've got to look on fleek. Yes. How the hell do I get my hair straightener plugged in? Oh, my God. There's a lot to talk about here as uh, the fourth member of the Oceanic Six stands revealed, and they don't even really play it as much of a mystery Saeed Jarrah is one of the Oceanic Six, but what this episode does reveal is that maybe there are people beyond the Oceanic Six who are also off the island. 
with the final scene being the Benjamin Linus reveal. Um, but I wanted to start, Mike, at the uh, at like the penultimate scene mm-hmm. because I think like one of the things to to uh, get like swept under the rug when you think about the Economist is like yeah, it's the it's Said has super amazing flash forward assassin hair. Yeah, Ben is in the future and he's broken Saeed to the point that Saeed's working for him. These are big deals. But it is a huge deal that people leave the island in this episode. Just a few episodes, you know, three episodes after they make radio contact, we've got people leaving. And I think, like, I want to issue, you know, my continued season four mea culpa of, of, like, season four being really, really fast at the very end of the line. Um, but maybe like dragging its feet to a certain degree. And I still think that some of that may be coming. I'm open to to like going reverting back to some of that yeah, posturing. We'll, we'll, we'll talk next week about that. You know, but I but I also think that uh, they let people leave the island within the first three episodes. That's fast. Uh, that's really, really fast. And even if this episode is like a little bit of a meanderer on the island stuff, I think that holds it back from like true greatness for me. Um, it's still really, really fun. It's a very good episode of Lost. Uh, like a totally like I'm I'm thrilled to have sat down and watched it. Episode of Lost. Uh, but it is it's not insignificant. And I think that Saeed being the first person to go, and that music that's swelling as mm-hmm. he's you know lifting up in the helicopter, and you're seeing the island from that view for the first time, um, from the perspective of a character. To have like the most romantic character on the show, uh, other than I guess like the new the new contender is Desmond, who's the there, new hotness. who is there with him in this moment. I think like having sort of like this this um, this music that is both like intensely romantic because this is such a romantic notion of escape, but it's also dangerous and there's something uh, more sinister underneath it as well as we know is lurking in the future because we know that this is not going to be a clean escape. Um, even if you don't know the exact circumstances on a first watch, you know, it's not going to be clean. It's just a really smart, dramatic choice that I really, really appreciate. Yeah, the end couple of scenes in particular, and even outside of the music, the visuals are quite breathtaking, especially that wide shot of the helicopter making its way over the ocean and Saeed being able to look out on the vastness of the ocean. It's not like he hasn't been out on the ocean before, right? He spent the beginning of season three in the sailboat, but there is some weight to be held of him escaping the island. We was asked a couple of weeks ago, who were you hoping was part of the Oceanic Six? And I said at the time, I was hoping and praying that it would be Saeed, because Saeed had, I would say, unlike you know what Sawyer will say later in this episode, he has some of the most unfinished business off the island in the form of Nadia. And so when I had heard and when we saw that Saeed was one of the Oceanic Six, that, that made me genuinely happy. And it calls back a bit to that ending of Through the Looking Glass that we spoke about, this huge disparity where you see 815 celebrating and Jack just purely filled with ecstasy when he gets the call through to fake Minkowski, cut to Jack bearded, despondent, suicidal off the island saying this was the worst decision I ever made in my life. We see something very similar here, just more so playing out over the course of an episode. But there, it's it's magnanimous, like we talked about, and we keep really beating this drum. The idea of getting off the island had been around on the show since the very beginning, but had not really been visualized until this point. And it's really, really weird in that, yes, three episodes, we are getting people off the island, but 
people are not going to leave the vicinity of the island until eight or nine episodes from now. So we're going to be in this very odd purgatorial state, especially as we get introduced to the freighter in the constant of this sort of middle ground area where everything is wonky. There's a lot of malice and mystery being introduced as well. So we're sort of out of the woods. We're one step out of the woods, but we are still firmly ensconced by the trees as well. That being said, these are big steps for these characters. I think we could we could definitely talk about Saeed's fall far, far fall, you know, in the flash forward sense of things and how it really butts up against what he does in the present timeline. You know, we essentially see Saeed, the cool headed diplomat versus Saeed, the hot headed assassin. And it's a really, really fun opposition. It's a dichotomy for sure. So we'll dig into all of that. We've got a lot to talk about here. Of course, we mentioned last week during our recap of Confirmed Dead that Mike and I are going to be doing a bit of binge recording for season four. We were recording in a little bit of a rush uh, because what I wasn't, I didn't know I was able to reveal at the time, but I can reveal now. Uh, I have a new job. Yeah, you're an economist. I'm an economist. I'm the economist. Emerging markets Mm -hmm. expert Josh Wiggler, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, No, I am joining the incredible team at Inverse.com as the TV and movies editor of the website. Uh, I'm really, really pumped about it. It's going to be a great time. If you haven't checked out Inverse.com before, strongly recommend you do. The site is really dope. Uh, The the layouts, the design, the writing is really sharp and smart. I'm really, uh, I'm frankly, sharp and smart. Is this where I'm supposed to be? But I'm thrilled that they, (laughs) uh, the long con. Uh, No, I'm I'm really excited to join the team. Um, But I'm I'm starting February. February 22nd. I want to make sure that I've got that first uh, month and a half really clean as far as just being fully, fully devoted to figuring out everything that goes, what goes there, you know, this goes there, that goes here, uh, and making sure that the podcast is running smoothly as well. So we're doing stuff in advance to make sure that uh, the trains are running on time here on Post Show Recaps. Um, I've had a couple of messages since I announced the job on Twitter, like, does this mean no more down? Of course not. Down the hatch continues. Down the hatch is never not going to continue until like, you know, at some point in the future when it will not continue. But we're getting all the way through season six for the very least. uh, Exactly. And and we've got designs for what we would do after that. So don't worry about down the hatch. It's still happening. It's just the podcasts need to record quickly so that I can do my job on the first few weeks of the job. So we are recording. Actually, Mike, as of this recording, as people are listening to this podcast, they may be listening to this podcast if they listen to it right when it drops on February 12th. They'll be listening to it as you and I are recording Eggtown. Yeah, um, a bit of a delay in the payload there, where we'll essentially be a week ahead of time to those that are on this metaphoric island and listening to our coverage of this podcast. Yes, but the, I think the even bigger deal is you have time down the hatch, listeners, to do a little bit of time travel. Uh, there is a there is a time travel option. At your disposal, because Mike Bloom and I are recording Eggtown on February 12th. We are recording our recap of The Constant on February 15th. And because we are doing this all in such a strange order as a binge record, and because The Constant is such a banner episode of Lost, and because it is you know short of uh, flashes before your eyes, it's the biggest time travel episode mm-hmm. of, of Lost to this point. Um we thought it'd be fun to do something a little weird. So we are actually going to record the constant live with the ability for you hatchlings 
to listen in, to to watch along as we are doing this, as long as you are a member of the Post Show Recaps Patreon. We're going to be doing this for the patrons of Post Show Recaps. We will be live. We will instruct the people in the Discord how to watch us live on February 15th at 11 a.m. Eastern is when we are going to be recording Down the Hatches edition of The Constant. So you can listen to the uh, the podcast that you're listening to right now about The Economist and then like skip over Eggtown for a second. <laughs> which is which might be okay. Uh, it might be okay to skip over Eggtown. <laughs> join us for a live recording of The Constant. Uh, it will not be saved as a podcast at that time. You got to watch it in the live. Otherwise you miss it. Uh, and then Eggtown will be next week at the constant that we had recorded on February 15th. <laughs> you'll get to listen to again as a podcast. Yeah. And I also think we're is your nose that, bleeding yet. Uh, we're recording that on the 15th as well. There is some romanticism. It's the day after Valentine's Day. It's arguably the most romantic episode of Lost as well. Though, ironically enough, the episode we're talking about today the Economist was the one to air on Valentine's Day 2008. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So uh, just a little bit of love uh, in the air. And we wanted to make the constant a little special for people who could uh, tune in, patrons of the podcast. So if you have not signed up yet already, and this sounds like incentive, patreon.com slash recaps is the way to do it. Sign up at the Discord level, and you will get hooked up with all the info as to how to watch along with us as we podcast about the constant. In addition to that, next week we are recording our podcasts for Gion and the other woman as well. So, best idea is to just get all your feedback in for those episodes by the, the same day that we're going to record the constant. Uh, yeah, uh, February fifteenth uh, would be the, the best way to do it. And that being said, you know we will get to as much feedback as been sent our way as possible as we do this sort of cram, but. We are going to be very accepting of feedback as people are listening to these podcasts in real time. And when we come back for Meet Kevin Johnson, much like we do a bit of a catch up with Michael Dawson, we'll do a little bit of a catch up when it comes to feedback as well. People have responses to our thoughts on these episodes. So don't worry if you are not able to watch these episodes ahead of time and send in feedback. Please just keep sending us your thoughts as you're listening along and we'll get to them once we come back properly in real time in March. Absolutely. All right. Before we go forth, into the jungle. Mike, I want to take a quick second to thank our sponsors for this episode. It's our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. With that said, Mike Bloom, let's go forth into the jungle. Let's talk about The Economist, the fifth ever Saeed-centric episode. Yeah, and it actually opens, interestingly enough, I, from what I recall, in a similar way to his very first one in Solitary, in that we open on Saeed praying, this time not on the sandy shores, but in the grasses of the helicopter clearing. We should also mention, directed here by Jack Bender and written by, of course, the formidable team of Kittis and Horowitz. I think this might be their first Saeed episode. I feel like they've been real Hurley and Charlie people up to this point. Yeah. Um, well, there's a, there's a lot of Hurley stuff to talk through this week. So, you know, they definitely get their share of Hurley. Um, but yeah, this is a big episode for Saeed, who like, man, Saeed Jarrah, man of action, uh, man of time. Uh, you know, we, we see, we've seen him in the past do extraordinary things. Um, you know, 
really morally dubious things, things that have haunted him. Um, we have seen him on the island be someone who has tried to move away from that stuff. We see in this episode that, alas, uh, the road will continue to be paved with bodies and sins. Uh, mm-hmm. And Saeed is still on that proverbial blood trail. Uh, but in this episode, at least as far as the present, Saeed is is leaning on himself as like the underrated leader of Oceanic 815, right? Like he's mm-hmm. the one he's like, everybody bickers. Everybody starts like fighting each other about all like I know what to do. I can see very clearly how to get myself off this island. And me being the person who gets off the island is not only about I got to get out of this place. Though there is certainly a degree of that, but also I am the right person to leave and suss out what's up with the freighter, because if these people aren't who they say they are, if these people are actually dangerous, like Charlie's dying message insinuated, I'm probably the closest thing to James Bond these people have, and I'm probably the guy to take them out. Um, so I think Saeed is like very mission oriented in both timelines in this episode, both in the in the present and the future. It's just there's this added element of tragedy to sort of like the ingenuity of Saeed in this episode in the present, knowing that in the future he's become something that he hoped he would never become again. Is it safe to say that Saeed is the most self-confident lost character where everybody else, both on and off island, might have crisis of fate or their own sense of self? And Saeed certainly has that in the flashbacks. But again, even comparing this to the first time we saw him pray in solitary even then, he sort of had this confident mission, right? Where, okay, I'm going to exile myself for what I did to Sawyer for the person that I said I would never become. And then he finds himself entangled with Danielle Rousseau and the rest is history. And you bring up a lot of great points that both in this present timeline and in the future, he knows what he wants. He has the confidence that he can get done what he wants. Granted, his heart might get involved in some places, but I think especially compared to someone like Jack, who Saeed sort of outright dismisses in this episode to a certain extent, he certainly has more of a head for these types of things of, what is the goal that I am trying to achieve? Let me stay focused on that goal and not get myself entangled with it. I think the thing about Saeed is less that he has the most self-confidence of anybody, because I think there are many times in which he's like, I'm a terrible person, I'm unworthy of love, I don't deserve to be around people. You know, that was the whole point. You know, that was the engine that took him through solitary uh, in which he was he wanted to be alone. I think that Saeed is the most hyper competent person Mm. in in the crew. Um, I think that Saeed is 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 kind of cursed by his hyper competence. Yes, it's a blessing because when the shit hits the fan, you know, you can lean on Saeed and he's almost always right. Not always, but often. You know, there's often. a there's a reason why Saeed is our MVP leader, because often our criteria with this stuff is like who is just like doing the best stuff, who's doing everything right. Uh, and Saeed, when he scores, he rarely scores LVPs. It's not unprecedented, but he rarely does. He often scores MVPs because more often than not, like his instincts are right. His actions are correct. His actions are excellent. This week, I think, will be no different, even though there's maybe an argument to, to giving him a demerit we can talk it through um based on the fact that like maybe you should have uh you should have vetted elsa just ah, whatever we can get into that a little bit later mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but i think that he's like he's cursed by it mike because he knows that like he's the one to do a lot of these hard things 
And so he has to live with the toll. He has to accrue like the, the karmic balance. He's like in deep debt, uh, in terms of his soul is what he feels at least. Even if like, you know, when he moves on, I think that the, the, the next stage of, of existence has other feelings about the way that Saeed, uh, moved about his life. Um, but I think that that's the thing is he's so, he's so hypercomitant. He knows the exact way to get off the island right now. It's a little dubious. It's a little, it's a little dicey, but he can do it. He sees the line. Um, but often that line leads to Saeed having to have moments where like, I just put bamboo reeds into a man's, uh, fingernails. Right. This is a guy who knows how to get what he wants. And often that means doing it in like a very surefire way that is also going to, you know, provide several chinks in the armor. And that's why the flash forward in this is so much, I don't want to say fun, but it really shows how Saeed's, to your point, hypercompetentness can be weaponized. You know, when it's used against you, that is bad. It's a good thing that he's been on our side up to this point, because I would not want to imagine Saeed as an other, for example, or as a Martin Kimi type, a very smart, very strategic mercenary against these people. Because we see that when he's, his career is essentially to stealthily kill people, he's relatively able to do it with ease and with great clamor. So it, it proves that this is a man who has a particular set of skills that can be used to both help and really hurt people. Yeah. Um, and I think like, you know, talking that through, like we do get to see some of that, like uh, menacing version of Saeed against, you know, being directed against people we care about in the final season. And I know yep. it's, it's like controversial. There's the argument that like Saeed should have just died when he got should shot. Have, yeah. Stay, put him, put him under that temple water and have him stay there. I don't know how we'll feel when we get there, but I'm just having some, some measure of like benefit of the doubt right now with that stuff. And I think like, as far as the arc, I think that there's something compelling about Saeed being dragged. So that like somebody as hyper competent as Saeed being so exhausted by his actions, getting dragged down to the depths of the abyss. And before he plunges into the hot, hot heat, has that moment of clarity where he realizes, no, this is no good. And I think, in fact, uh, this is something to talk about with the constant later, Mike, is that uh, Saeed is going to be there with Desmond for everything mm -hmm. that goes on in the constant uh, to like have a real glowing hot reminder of the power of love and that this is not just a, uh, you know, a nuts and bolts meat and potatoes world, as John Locke may have put it once upon a time. Um, but there's something different happening. There's something that he says, Saeed often says, like, I believe what I can see. And he sees time travel, right? He sees the fruit mm -hmm. of that. Um, and it, I think it's not for nothing that in uh, in season six, what seemingly shakes Saeed free from, like, the depths of despair is a reunion with Desmond. Uh, that, like, being with Desmond is kind of what snaps him out of uh, the, the zombified state he's been in. So just to give that a little bit of credit, uh, there are a lot of, like, mechanical things like, he was dead for two hours. What's going like? Ah, whatever. Oh, uh, we'll get Yeah, there. but but to do an opposition of that, the Saeed that we're going to see in the flash forwards, I think has a direct connection to not even season six Saeed, but season five Saeed. I think the Saeed we see on island 
would not shoot baby, baby Ben Linus as much, you know, fervor as he has against him saying that he would never, the day he sells his soul would be the day that he worked for Benjamin Linus. But the flash forward Saeed, who to your point, had not only seen what love can do, but also sees how much heartbreak can do in the flash forward world. I think almost like a lack of humanity and almost, uh, you know, the selling of that soul in Saeed before he even dies at that point will lead him to pursue things that on paper might be looked at as objectively bad, or at least something that maybe a season one through four Saeed would look at a bit cockeyed. So again, it's a tale of two Saeeds right now that's going to inform the arc that he has even in those last two seasons, a really complicated, really interesting character. But to that point, again, you speak towards his hyper-competentness. Saeed is going to be the one to really stump for Naomi in this episode, oddly enough, despite the short time that they had together. Faraday really falls on deaf ears last episode when he's the one who insists that they take Naomi with them. You know, Miles is just saying it's just meat. Uh, meets back on the menu in a manner of speaking. But we open the episode here with Saeed approaching Naomi's body and closing her eyes. And obviously that's going to have some symbolism and some uh, some symmetry later on in the episode with Elsa. But it's a nice reminder about how up to this point, like you said, Desmond is really bringing up the rear. But at the point, just through experience, Saeed is the bleeding heart of the show. Absolutely. So we do open with him. He's praying. He's looking at Naomi's dead body. Uh, there's an argument happening between Jack and Juliet and Miles about where's Ben, because that's where we left it last yeah, time. An interesting choice for Charles Widmore to not really give many instructions to the freighter crew. I guess there were sort of levels of access as to the mission at hand, but it seems like what Miles is is saying is that apparently Widmore just gave that picture of Doobie Ben in his sweater vest and said, find him. Right. And nothing else. Yeah, whether if that's true, then, you know. A little dodgy. Yeah, for no, sure. ne- well, next episode, Miles is going to at least claim, "Oh, I know so much about you. I know what money you can procure. So please give me three point two million dollars." So again, much like with Sawyer, we really have to take everything Miles says right now with a grain of salt. I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, so they want to go and find Ben because Ben is with Locke, but the problem is that Locke's party—they've got guns. They can't just go in and uh, take Ben. Um, and in addition to that. This is when Saeed is going to like everyone's like worried about Charlotte or at least Frank and and Faraday. They're worried about it's pronounced Charlotte, Charlotte. Uh, And uh, Frank is going to get a proposal from Saeed. Saeed is going to say like, well, how about this? What if I go and bring you Charlotte? If I bring you Charlotte, if I go in, if I infiltrate the, the lock crew and I bring back Charlotte, Will you take me off the island if I bring her back safely? Uh, And Frank says, oh, yeah. Yeah, if you bring Charlotte back, I will take you off this island. It's it's a little weird, though. And I'm not saying this is necessarily a plot hole, but I think just a small sign that obviously different people wrote different episodes. Because Saeed has that fun exchange with Frank, you know, will this helicopter fly? What she does, which not only is a great Lapidusism, But if you remember, at the end of Confirmed Dead, Saeed was the one to tell Jack that the helicopter was able to fly. So it seems a little odd that he is now asking Frank if the helicopter will fly, though maybe it was just for dramatic purposes. But before we move forward with Saeed's wheeling and dealing, Josh, we got to talk about Naomi's bracelet. 
And I'm not talking about one that I'm assuming uh, gives her a list of allergies just in case. We've got to talk about the infamous RG. Yeah, so what, what is the deal with this? It says, uh, N, I'll always be with you, RG. Yeah, so this has been one of the larger Lost Ministries that has gone unanswered. We're going to see a bracelet later on, but I believe Lindelof has said in interviews after the fact that this is just a coincidence. It's one of those, oh, something similar happened off-island to on-island that is now reminding Saeed of something that happened in the past. Just in this case, it's the reversal. You know, it, it's it's Sawyer hearing the voice of Frank Duckett, but now Saeed is, is experiencing this off-island and he's flashing back to on-island. People have a few thoughts about who RG is. Uh, I do believe that the only RG we know in terms of first name and last name of Lost characters is... Russell Gray, who was the dead son that Miles tried to speak to in Some Like It Hoth, which there might be something there, considering that that episode is when Naomi finds Miles, despite, you know, what he insists here, that he only met her on the boat. Some people think it might be referring to a character we hear in this episode, Regina. Yeah, Regina Uh, George. It might be Regina George. You know, maybe Regina George did turn over a new leaf after she was hit by that bus. Right. Maybe if the timeline matches up, Naomi finds herself consorting. It's pretty wild that Regina Regina George George and uh, Juliet's ex-husband were both hit by the same bus. Yes, but unfortunately, poor Edmund Burke did not receive the same fate as Regina Regina George, despite what a a mean girl, you know, Edmund was. Maybe it just means that Richard Alpert is a better bus driver than whoever was trying to run over (laughs) Regina George. Some people also think... It might be a reference to, we don't know the first name of, of course, Lost Magazine's favorite subject, Captain Galt, but maybe it's a reference to that. Basically, a lot of the possible RGs are connected to the freighter. I don't know if there's a smithy on board that would allow them to construct a bracelet in time to put on Naomi's wrist. This might just be a random detail of, like we've said many times, this very open, empty history for Naomi that just goes completely unanswered, but... It's just a rando-ass detail of yeah. this character. Gotta say, it's nothing that I've ever spent any thought about, uh, other than maybe the first time I watched the show. I, I don't think that this has ever really registered for me as a, as a mystery that I've been interested in. Um, like, maybe I would have been if, like, the tell my sister I love her thing, like, had borne out to, like, she has a twin and we got back mm-hmm. into, like, sort of the twin game. Oh, imagine if, if then... You know, three episodes later, her twin parachutes onto that, and they think, oh, no, is it time travel? Maybe she claims that she's Naomi, but she's actually... uh, Well, it wouldn't be... I guess it wouldn't be RG, right? Because her last name would also be Dorit, unless she got married. Yeah, uh, or her name is RG Dorit. Mmm, RGD. You know, I think that could be it. Um, But yeah, Ramona (laughs) Grace Dorit. Yeah, uh, I think that that could work. Uh, Ramona Gray Dorit. Um... Yeah, I mean, I just don't really... I haven't given it much thought, but uh, more power to those who who have. Um, right. Said has this idea, like, because Miles and Frank are, like, bickering about, we can't trust these people. We can't take them off the island if they've got Charlotte as a prisoner. And Said's like, I'll take... I'll bring back Charlotte. Don't worry about that. I got this. So yeah. Frank <laughs> is like, I, and cool. I won't, and I won't add any sort of addendums that I will have in this verbal contract right now. It'll all work out. But essentially... Saeed is starting to make plans. I think, do you think at this point he's already figured out that he wants to trade Miles for Charlotte or is that sort of a, I'll figure it out on the way type of thing? It might be a figure it out on the way thing. It might be that he sees the line so clearly that he'll be able to like talk reasonably enough to John Locke. Cause I think like a big piece is like, it's not that, it's not that he doesn't think he can work with John Locke. He's, he's, you know, pro- it's been proved that he can, 
He doesn't like to. He does not particularly <laughs> like John Locke. And he's got a long list of grievances and reasons as to why he shouldn't be a big John Locke fan. Um, but I think that he knows that Locke, at least in Locke's mind, views things relatively rationally. And so I think that he feels like he can sell him Miles. Miles seems to know stuff. Miles is surly. Miles is going to be somebody who uh, is worth uh, giving a beat down to. Right. Uh, and, and also on paper, and Miles is going to talk about this next episode, there's actually a sort of a win for Miles as well. Yes, he'll be kept prisoner, but he's much closer to the target that he wants. So really, in Saeed's case here, it is, to quote Michael Scott, a win-win-win. Yeah, so he's going to get what he wants here. Um, so whether or not he knows it, it's it's the it's the right move. All right, so let's get to the first flash forward of the episode. Uh, we're on a, a sprawling golf course. It's yeah, another beautiful. another call back to solitary. The the episode that introduced Island Golf. Mm-hmm. So Saeed is playing Island Golf in his own right, and a man shows up, and things occur. Good morning. Good morning. It's a long walk to the next door. You need a ride. Thank you, but no, my ball's right here. You know, you're the first person I've seen out here all morning. I believe we're paying quite the premium for that kind of privacy. Indeed we are. Is this your first time in the Seychelles? Uh-uh. I'd use the five-iron. I think I'll stick with the set. Tell you what, 50 euros says mine goes closer to the pin with a five. Let's make it 100. Excellente. Amazing, huh? Our wager makes just about anything more fun. Not bad. Not bad. So, what do you do for a living, my friend? I do nothing. Nothing? Doesn't pay for a vacation here. I was the recipient of a large settlement. Corporate merger? Actually, a plane crash. Oceanic Airlines, flight 815. I'm Saeed Jara. One of the Oceanic Six. Ah, that's, that's, that's amazing. Uh, I remember reading all about it. Take your shot, my friend. It appears you were right about the five-iron. Well, uh... Enjoy your round and uh, don't worry about the wager. All in good fun. No, you won. Allow me to pay you. It's fine. Thank you. It's... I insist, Mr. Abilene.
I'd like to imagine there's some groundskeeper out there who sees what happens and says, oh, no. Oh, God. Uh, better turn on the sprinklers. <laughs> it sounds like Morty. Oh, jeez, oh, Rick. Yeah, imagine Rick and Morty are like time traveling with all of like the flash forwarding that's going on. Suck it up, Morty. That's Saeed. It's what he does. Uh, but Saeed's a good guy. Oh, God, he's supposed saying. to be a good guy. He's not supposed to kill the guy at the golf course. Boy, shut up, Morty. Why is his hair all straight? Yeah, How uh, do you know how to play golf? <laughs> so yeah, this is this is flash forward Saeed. I feel like that's uh, Locke and Hurley uh, based on their relationship later in this episode. Yeah, and well, I think especially, you know, latter day Rick and Morty, where Morty has been more standoffish to Rick. That is very much Hurley in this episode, which yeah. we'll certainly get into. We had a question from Eric Divestein about this scene, Josh, because we say hello and goodbye to Mr. Avellino, one of Saeed's targets. Why did Avellino have such a nervous reaction once he heard that Saeed is a member of the Oceanic Six? Like, were there undercurrents that a member of the Oceanic Six had become uh, an assassin and was possibly hunting him down? Does he just, I don't know, get nervous? Did he get starstruck when he was in Saeed's presence? What, what, what garnered the change yeah. in Avellino's reaction? Well, so I think it could be a couple of things. It could be that at this point, Saeed has started killing people on the list. He's been killing Widmore Associates, and maybe the Widmore Associates have been tipped off that this guy is dangerous. Be careful. There could be that. It could be enough that uh, Avellino is looped in with Widmore and mm-hmm. uh, is aware of the Oceanic Six and their uh, their new celebrity status. And as such, people know, um, you know, details about some of these people, including Saeed Jaran, what his backstory is. And so just like being around a member of the Oceanic Six, when it's such a dicey proposition to begin with for Avellino, who would be, uh, you know, part of whatever the Widmore cabal is, maybe Avellino is just like a blowhard who <laughs> doesn't have the, you know, the the fortitude to like keep it cool in front of someone who's got Saeed's reputation. He doesn't necessarily need to know that he's like an active assassin, but he is a member of the Oceanic Six and he's uh, by reputation the most intimidating member of the right. Oceanic Six. Uh, so it could be as simple as that for me. I hate this guy. Uh, you know, cool. the, this go- golf course douche. Uh, going to be a very, a very with, with, the, with golf course douche getting killed, Mike, one of the easiest LVPs I've encountered in a very long time. Well, he's doing a lot of golf splaining, right? Oh, you shouldn't use this. He's trying to make this conversation. He's trying to essentially get money out of Saeed by trying to make a wager. There's just a lot of fun power dynamics going on where, like you said, Avellino thinks he's the one that's in control when really Saeed knows a lot about him and has been undermining him this entire time, which is going to foreshadow very nicely to what he experiences in Germany. But, I mean, this is a... Big deal. I talked about this, Josh, I think back during our coverage of Through the Looking Glass. But if we were to power rank the Oceanic Six in terms of how far they fall in the three years off island, is Saeed number one, in your opinion, considering what he becomes? Number one in like, what's the criteria? I mean, he does end up killing people. I know that Jack more so is looking to kill himself. But I do think what happens to Saeed in terms of falling back in love with Nadia, losing her, and then becoming this heartless killer en masse, I do think it's probably the biggest fall a character takes. Yes, Jack takes a huge fall emotionally and perhaps from a substance abuse perspective, but I think just based on what happens to Saeed, he undergoes the most 
trauma and tragedy off island yeah i i think it would it's it's definitely between the two of them i don't want to discount how awful things are for sun as Mm -hmm. well um you know losing Jin, leaving the island being uh alone it's her and jian she's you know having to like tap back into her life with with her father but at least she sets him straight um that i i think that there's there's an argument there but i think like the the level of devastation for saeed what like wondering spending so much of his life wondering where is nadia is she out there somewhere and then resigning himself to like she must be dead uh and then finding out that she's not and then reuniting with her and having however much time together they have only to like decisively watch her die right in front of him uh, right and and allegedly awful. according to ben because of this other thing that's going on. Right. It's it's not just a random circumstance of a hit and run. There is a purpose behind her dying. And now he has to take on this mission of revenge almost. And also just probably a a way to find busy work to try to fill the heart in his soul that just got dug out of him. Yeah, I think I I would probably lean towards Saeed. I think Jack's mm-hmm. fall is pretty steep as well, but a lot of that is, uh, in, in many regards, it's self-inflicted. There's just a few things that maybe Jack could do differently that things work out a little bit better for him. Again, don't want to discount his experiences as well. Um, Hurley's going through a rough time, too, though I think that his time in Santa Rosa, at the very least, he's able to like reach some semblance of peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Kate, you know, has Kate's her got own. Aaron. Kate's got Aaron. Yeah, so she's, she's kind of like living in an illusory world for a while. She, she's got it. We'll talk about this next week that she sort of finds her own form of happiness. Yes. Uh, in, in, a, in a way of. I think it really strengthens go- her. I think I think yeah. I think the, the leaving the island actually is uh, is something that uh, more than almost any of these characters, I think, really does strengthen Kate, like the Kate who returns to the island is someone with a lot of, um, uh, I think, purpose coursing through her. Um, Right. She's someone who doesn't feel necessarily flighty between so many different parties. She doesn't feel the need to run because she cannot run. And I think she finds that in her ability to be stationary, she finds strength in that. Yeah, I think that there's definitely still problems there, but I think, like, she's not, like, feeling them to the degree that, like, Saeed has turned to a life of assassinations. But it's an interesting conversation. I'd be curious to get people's take on it uh, in, like, seven weeks when we're able to, <laughs> to, to, to to react to this feedback. Or in time for the constant, if you're able to get it in time for that. I think Eon would also be a really... Because that's the end of the Oceanic yeah. Six. I would love to revisit this there. Um all right, so we go to the title. We we go back to the flash, uh, the flash forwards and sides. Uh, he's in Berlin, and he goes to a coffee shop, and he he meets Elsa, and she's this woman who he's obviously on the mission to like learn more about because her boss is the Economist, and the Economist is this guy who is on Saeed's hit list. Do we yeah. be- do we believe that that is? Uh, do we believe that that's Charles Widmore? Is the Economist? Mm. Or is no, it just like I, another person on the list? I think it's just another person on the list. I mean, it, it might make sense because I do believe in season five, or maybe it's in the shape of things to come when Saeed kills someone else, Ben says the list is cleared. So assumingly at some point he has either killed the economist or the economist and Widmore are sure, one yeah. and the same here. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, Widmore is a businessman, so I guess it could make sense that he's the economist. Let me also just say, I think we're going to have a much larger gripe with episode titles in our podcast next week. But I always felt The Economist is kind of a weak sauce title. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think, I don't know what we would call this instead. Oh, uh, oh I, I have, uh, you could call it, uh, you could call it the deal. You could call it assassins, even if you want to go that far, because there's also this on island thing with Miles and the, the freighter crew tr- apparently being assassins uh, trying to, or like the assignment might be an interesting one as well. I just feel like the economist, well, it may speak towards this larger mystery role. And as Said will say later, everybody has a boss. Who are the shady bosses that are pulling our strings? I don't know. It just, it just feels like I agree. Yeah. It it feels a little too far removed from the main stuff. um, One thing that happens during this uh, encounter at the cafe, it's a very quick sound that I clipped out for this one for the sake of expediency. And also because they think it's really all you need to hear. It's one of my favorite uh, Said Jarrah moments. Let's listen in real quick. Anything that classifying it. Could I have an espresso, please? Uh, can, I have an ex- can I have an espresso, please? I don't know why that cracks me up as hard as it does, but can I have an espresso, please? Is just a remarkable Saeed Jarrah moment. Naveen Andrews, I love you, but it's espresso. I love not it. Espresso. I it's- love it. Can I have an espresso, please? It's just so good. Uh, maybe he's doing this deliberately to like disarm Elsa. To explain, mm. oh, well, this guy couldn't possibly be an assassin because he doesn't yeah. even know how to say espresso. And it, well, he really does that, though, right? He comes in saying, oh, I'm so lost. I'm supposed to meet somebody. I only know one phrase in German. I didn't study that much muzzy. But it seems like Elsa seems to take some interest in him. She's making goo-goo eyes. And it seems like for the first time in forever, Saeed has has found maybe some someone with which she shares some romantic interest from the last blonde woman he met. Yeah. Loves the blondes. Um, let's, so, let's, we, I want to talk about Elsa for a second, actually, because she'll be make a one-time appearance in this episode, and we'll talk more about her character later on. But the choice of the name Elsa is very interesting, not only from the European aspects of it all, but Elsa is also, the, if for the your Indiana Jones fans out there, that's the <laughs> yes, name of the love interest, yes. who actually ends up betraying Indy, yes, I believe. Yes. Uh, and also, if you are an opera fan, which Saeed and Elsa will be later on, Apparently, the Wagner opera Lohengrin, apologies if I mispronounce that, I only know how to say it's free in German. Uh, apparently, the titular character has a wife named Elsa. The entire plot of that opera is about a man who must keep his identity hidden from his lover. And then in the end, she not only gets the, the secret out there in the open, but dies herself. So really, a lot of call forwards as to what's going to end up happening with this character if you know your Indiana Jones and or your Wagner. Mm, interesting. Um, I had never connected her to... Uh, I'd never connected her to to Indiana Jones, but I, it absolutely makes sense. It's great. Uh, yeah, as I, long as she's connected to that, you know, love interest and not the one from Temple of Doom. Um, so, Saeed, he's made, he's made contact. He calls his boss, and throughout the episode, you're hearing Ben as the boss on the other side of, with, like, I'm Ben. I'm Benjamin. the the baritone Benjamin, like I the was, I literally wrote ba- baritone Ben Linus uh, in my notes as well. They uh, do what they do in that moment in, in the two towers, right? Where they, mix Saeed, up, uh, where, they, where they mix up Christopher Lee and and Serene McKellen's yes, voice to make it yes. sound like Saruman for a hot second of Wait a minute, who a is a little bit of a cheap trick? Who's this like deep throat esque person that Said <laughs> is talking to? But 
I, there's some, you know, fun tongue-in-cheek here stuff where Saeed claims he's a headhunter before clarifying, oh, I'm in corporate recruiter. Uh, don't take headhunter the wrong way. Right, right. But yeah, there's this, there's this born identity moment stuff with Saeed where he talks on this burner phone saying, you know, oh, Elsa's my target. He does this weird thing, Josh, where he throws the phone away, then wipes his hands on the snow. Was the phone just that dirty? Was his hands covered with espresso? Yeah, it could be. He just, it was just like sticky coffee that he needed to, he needed to take off. Uh, he's going to reunite with Elsa. They're going to go on a date. He wants to know more if you'll have dinner with me. Uh, so he's going to do his side yeah, thing. And, and look at her. Like, I think she's pretty smooth here with her not necessarily getting her number nor her antiquated pager number, but instead circling a place on the map and saying, find me here at eight o'clock tonight. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, just in case we haven't talked about it enough. His hair is just incredible. Uh, the flash forward assassin hair is one of my all time favorite lost looks. Uh, Saeed flash forward straight, uh, beautiful, luscious flash forward assassin hair. That's got to chart pretty high for me in terms of just like the iconic lost looks. Yeah, I mean, it also tries to demonstrate at least a different Saeed. He no longer has the flowing curly hair. He has sort of gone straight in a manner of speaking. He doesn't even look like himself anymore but Naveen Andrews I think is able to pull it off you know I I think if someone else had done it I've straightened my hair once upon a time and it looked abhorrent I look like a beetle and not in a good way more like the bug than the band but I think Saeed has some good looks I mean he's he's able to pick up some people despite the ulterior motives that they might have so I think the hair is doing him wonders Mike as it pertains to your straightened hair I speak for the hatchlings when I say picks or it didn't happen. All right. I will. I will. As we're talking here, maybe during the sounds, I will find a pick and I'm going to send it your way. And maybe right. I'll post it in the discord as well. When this please episode do. goes, please, please do. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. All right, so back on the island, uh, Saeed is, uh, is, is on the mission. He's getting things going. He sees this photo of Desmond and Penny that Naomi had. I'm surprised uh, that Desmond didn't take that photo from Naomi at some point. Like, give that back to me. I lost yeah, my other one. yeah. Um, but, uh, he's going to explain to like Jack and Juliet that like, whatever's going on here, it's not cards up. Like something is amiss. There's definitely something strange. We got to dig in deeper. Um, we should find out more about the penny connection. Juliet, go and find Desmond. So Juliet goes off on her mission. We don't yeah, really and then there's see a any little, of that. A little bit of stoking of the love quadrangle here once more, where Jack assigns Juliet to go get Desmond and Kate sort of gives him this look of why wasn't I given this assignment? 
Yes. Uh, we get Jack is the one who's like, uh, why am I not allowed to go? Uh, mm-hmm. And Saeed says, you're not a candidate for this mission. Yeah, it's it's an odd between this and the talk of lists as well off island. You could really tell that, well, maybe not everything was planned out for the latter three seasons of Lost. I could imagine that this terminology was floating around the writer's room, right? Yes, yes. Uh, so uh, you're not a good candidate for this mission was very evocative. Uh, and he says, well, you know, this is a diplomatic mission, Jack. And the last time you saw Locke, you tried to shoot him in the head in front of everyone. It's a good uh, point. Again, he's, he's saying, look, Jack, you're good at what you do, but you're not great at handling conflict with others, maybe between beating the crap out of Ben, yeah. between trying to shoot Locke. Let me take care of this. I am the Locke whisperer in a manner of speaking. I think I can make this happen. There's also a fun Miles moment here where Miles says, hey, hey, you, you're not you're not going after Charlotte without me. Insight says, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I wasn't planning not. on it. Yeah, yeah and he no goes, way. Oh, well, good. Yeah. <laughs> He's pretty thrilled about that. All right, so we we go back to what's going on with Locke and his crew as they are still going through the jungle. Locke is trying to find Jacob's cabin. Uh, They find the ash circle, but the cabin is gone. Uh, And so, and Hurley's the one is like, I don't know why you think you're just going to wander up to the cabin. It could be literally anywhere. Because that's Hurley's experience at the cabin. Yeah, and Ben is also now really getting to needle Locke. He'll do this over the next couple of episodes when he says, oh, John's just looking for somebody to tell him what to do next. Mm-hmm. And the best part is that he's right. And Locke knows that he's right. So this is a really, you know, we talked about this last episode, but this is when Locke's leadership is already starting to fray. Only a couple of episodes after he makes this big stand up. They're coming to kill us. Come with me if you want to live. Now he's starting to realize, oh, no. Oh, this has gone a little belly up here. I also like the one of the random gawkers that has joined Locke. You see it in the shots where Ben is is mouthing off. Kind of looks like Patricia Clarkson wearing a purple prison Mike esque bandana, just standing alongside Ben. Like we haven't really clocked any of them since the infamous Sarah Stripes back in season one, but I like her style. Purple Patricia. Uh, so Hurley's like, can't we just let Charlotte go? Why do we have to have a hostage? Can't we come up with a compromise? Locke says we are past compromise and I'm making the decisions, Hugo. Is that going to be an issue? Uh, And we're kind of like left with that note. And I think it's a compelling story architecture move because like we won't check in with Hurley again until he's linked up with Saeed. And so like we're left with this moment where like Hurley maybe is at odds with Locke. So he's not going to, uh, you know, he's not going to be, He's he decided not to play ball and he got left behind. So we're going to believe Hurley later on in the episode when it turns out that Hurley's lying, both to the characters, but also to us. Right. It's very similar to the end of season three. When we see Jack so sparingly, it does make us question, okay, what is his relationship? Is he indeed working with the others? It's really creating suspicion through omission of, okay, the next time we see Hurley, he's tied up. The last thing we saw him do was challenge John Locke's growing dictatorship. Clearly, this must be true. Then we'll talk later on about how maybe some choices in language might have been hinting to something else. But yeah, I mean, we really are seeing Locke become a singular ruler before our very eyes. And he'll talk about this next episode, but I think it's because he feels like he is the lone person to communicate with the island, that he deserves to be the leader. And he deserves to have the singular voice in the crowd. This is not like Jack, who is trying to James Miller style do democracy. 
Locke is saving the island. He's communing with the island. Therefore, what he says goes, and he is fine with that. Yeah. Um, all right. So back with the helicopter crew, uh, Kate's going to go on the mission as well at Jack's urging. Um, after a really funny exchange where Kate's like, isn't it sad when you don't get invited on the crew and in fact get told you have to stay behind? And, and Jack's then, like, and then, <laughs> what does Jack say? Yeah. Does this mean I should wait 20 minutes and go anyway? It's, just, like it's a, it's a like really that. great tête-à-tête between the two because it's both yeah. them really sort of also lampshading what the writers do, especially with a character like Kate who will just be a, a come-with girl anyway. But Jack does indeed make Kate the go with girl saying, I want you to go with them. Cause he trusts her. And at this point, like he really does trust her a lot. Like she's, you know, she chose to stay with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's like, she has demonstrated that in this, in this time that they're currently living through that Kate is, uh, is hooked into the cause. Uh, not, to, not to mention he sort of has her as a safeguard in play saying, well, I know that Locke might kill Saeed and might kill Miles, but Sawyer will make sure that you're not dead. Right. So again, it, it sort of has this odd bitterness to it at the same time of, I'm trusting you on this mission because there's a guy there who has the hots for you. Well, there's a guy there who will not let you die, and Locke will feel like he probably needs to de-escalate because Sawyer is a critical ally for Locke. You know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the crew, you know, yeah, we said that, like, the group goes with Locke in large part because of Hurley. But I do think that, like, we've reached a point with Sawyer where, you know, we've established that many of the gawkers really like Sawyer right now. Um, Sawyer is a leader in his own right. If Sawyer is the one who's, like, saying to Locke, you do not touch a hair on her head, like, he can't do anything um, without risking really losing the people. And that's not something that Locke wants to do. Also, like, Locke's not going to kill Saeed and Kate. Like, that's not something he's going to do. But Jack has every, uh, you know, reason to believe that maybe he will. Like, uh, Locke has lost all benefit of the doubt with Jack. Yeah, and we get a nice, fun little cut to break here as the trio go off and Frank just sort of muses, oh, that guy seems fun. What did he used to be? And Jack gives us a nice reminder. Oh, yeah, Saeed used to be a torturer. And (laughs) Little Penis just makes the best WTF face like, what? What? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good so moment. It's, good so it's moment. very clear that, again, you know, we'll talk about next episode, especially about how people like Miles know a lot about the dossier of these people. Maybe someone like Frank Lapidus, maybe as much as he studied the manifest, was sort of on a need to know basis about some of these people. So in the jungle, Saeed is leading the trek and he wants to know more about Naomi. And I think like Saeed's fascination with Naomi for me is, you know, he's seen a lot of death. Uh, over the mm-hmm. years he's seen it recently Naomi was somebody that he had like some measure of contentiousness with but they also you know she she brought them rescue and his like his read on her was probably a little bit wobbly like I think that Naomi probably represents a lot of the conflicted feelings that Saeed has um, so he wants to know more about her uh, Miles is terrible I don't know anything other than she was hot and I liked her accent yeah, though, though I do believe, doesn't he lie here and say that he met her on the freighter when we indeed see her yes. encounter him off island? Correct. Absolutely. Um, I, I also love another great Navy and Andrews delivery. I love how he says camaraderie. Camaraderie. Uh, uh, and he wants to know, uh, Miles wants to know about Locke. Uh, how did you guys like, how did this civil war occur? And Saeed says there was a debate about whether your people were coming to rescue or kill us. And Miles says, okay, well, uh, where where did you land? And Saeed with a great line of, I'll let you know when I decide. Um, which I think is great because this helps to like underline why Saeed is with Jack. Mm-hmm. Saeed's not with Jack because he believes these people are here to rescue him. 
Saeed is here because he believes these people might be here to rescue them, but he also believes there is danger here, and he right. wants to be a frontline worker on this battle. Exactly. He knows that in being with Jack, he's able to get closer to the freighters that, as opposed to Locke, who are purposely keeping themselves at arm's length. I should also mention here a little bit of an other, Spiggy of the others, and that there's actually a deleted scene from this episode where we see Kate, Saeed, and Miles encounter the sonic fence once again. And it's a really, I can understand why it was cut, but it's a nice little slice of life where Kate and Saeed are working to try to figure out the code. Miles stops for a second and listens. And, you know, we have these weird sort of Dutch angles of him just standing there hearing something. And then he walks through the fence. Seemingly, we assume that a dead person, I'm just going to assume the whisper, since we talked about that a couple of episodes ago, probably told him the fence is harmless. He walks through and says, I think it's off. And they say, how do you know that? And he just fibs, oh, you know, probably a, a lucky guess. But it's a, it's a little bit of a sign, again, about how Miles has a bit of a superpower and is able to commune with spirits on the island that our other characters are not able to. Yeah. Um, so we are going to... Uh, that's the that's the jungle truck. We're going to flash back to the future. I don't know. Elsa and Said are getting ready to go to the opera. It's, you know, it's the will they, won't they, but we know that she's secretly an assassin and Said doesn't know that she's an assassin yet. Yeah, it's, it's Mr. and Mrs. Smith here, Mr. and Mrs. Jarrah. Though I do really love Said's line, everyone has a boss, Elsa. It's not only going to allude to the end of the episode, but I feel like that's a huge theme in Lost as well, especially when we know the overall arc and especially the final revelation that all of these people are just kind of pieces in this Senate board between two larger forces in play on the island, or even outside of that, when you're talking about Ben versus Widmore as well, that everyone maybe not necessarily has a boss, but everyone is everyone is a, a player or a character in someone else's story that they're trying to write. And I do like that idea because it's always about, despite the fact that you feel you're urged on by your own whims and your own feelings and your own inclinations, chances are there might be somebody behind the scenes who's manipulating you to feel that way. And that feels so prevalent throughout all of Lost, really, from the beginning. I just like the line here at the end where Sai goes, come on, Strauss is waiting. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he saved seats for us. We don't want to be late. Yeah. Uh, all right. So back to the island. Uh, Daniel Faraday wants to uh, perform an experiment. Uh, and uh, is this the moment where? No, it's not. It's not that. It's coming up soon. Uh, Jack wants to know from Frank, like, what's up with Daniel Faraday? Uh, and Frank says everything that guy does goes over my head. And then, like, there are some things that go way, way over my head. Yeah, half the stuff he says goes way over my head. The other half goes way, way over. But I love. Daniel Faraday as Mr. Wizard is great. There's this really fun touch where Jeremy Davies approaches them and he has this thing where he like very quickly dodges his way out of a branch that he's about to walk into. That's very much Daniel Faraday, right? Like it's so concentrated on one thing at a time. He barely sees three feet in front of him, but he asks for the phone. I was a little confused about this, Josh, because I thought that he was asking for Frank's phone, but Frank damaged his phone that's why he sent up the signal flare i guess they just gave the, the the regular old sat phone for frank to hold on to yeah i guess he's got the phone either way he's gonna give it to faraday and uh i loved this uh just talk to regina and only talk about science if minkowski is the one who picks up hang up and so mike 
I have decided that I am going to give Minkowski an LVP point this week. Because it seems like no one wants to talk to him. Uh, it's, it, seems like, it seems like Minkowski is sort of like persona non grata in the crew. Uh, that like, you know, Kate hung up on him. And, mm-hmm. and now we're hearing from Frank, like, if Minkowski picks up, don't talk to Minkowski. Like, there's got to be something. We know that Minkowski's going to have a hard time in a little while, but like, uh, my God, like, why aren't we talking to Minkowski? This guy must, uh, he must have said something really uncomfortable earlier on the expedition. No, what I think it is, honestly, is I think Minkowski's a bit of a monologuer. I think he sort of is like that uncle character from Dairy Girls, where once you get him on the line, he's just going to keep talking about what he had for breakfast and what he's thinking at the time. And especially since he becomes more and more displaced in time, it becomes more babbling. I think it's just more so, you know, when you call a relative... And you're like, okay, I'll, I'm fine talking to this one person. Just don't put Grandpa on the line. I really don't want to talk to Grandpa for the next 20 minutes about what he found in his oatmeal that morning. But I do love this runner that Frank has certain people that he likes and dislikes on the freighter. And Minkowski is very much on the shit list yeah, for Frank Lapidus. Frank doesn't like Minkowski, that's all I need to know. Uh, exactly. Know that- like he's a good judge of character, relatively speaking. Yeah. All right. So here's the science experiment. It's the payload. Uh, And the payload should be getting close to the beacon that Regina fires off, but it has not yet arrived. So this episode is trying to get us uh, not just like, you know, the season's job is not only to get us like, you know, informed on what's going to happen after people leave the island, but it it is also trying to get us in the headspace of like time travel is an active, an active situation. Mm -hmm. And, and also uh, just the idea of that we really haven't faced for a couple of seasons now that the island is weird, right? Because the question has been, if the freighter could easily get here, why weren't they able to, to get here before? We, of course, have the callback to the season two finale of take this specific marking at the end of the episode. We're starting to get this idea popping up again about how the island has unique properties to the point that it can be moved not only through space, but also through time at the end of this season. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't arrive. Uh, so we'll, we'll pick that up in a little bit. Um, meanwhile, Saeed, Miles and Kate, they reached the barracks, but no one's there. And we haven't checked in with Locke's crew since Locke and Hurley had their little spat. Um, so it's very interesting when they're sneaking through the barracks, they're like going through like the closet, they're finding, you know, Ben's huge stash of money, right? Right. Or is that, well, that's coming no, up no, in a no, little no, while. Yeah, that's later on yeah. when Surly, when Surly, when Saeed yes. finds the the hidden basement. So we can talk about that. But they find Hurley's trapped in the closet. Yeah, Hurley's in the closet. He's just been abandoned. He's just been left there. And so when we come back, Hurley explains what's gone on. This is what I have described as Hurley pulls a chunk. <laughs> Locke's gone off the reservation, man. I mean, he took this one chick hostage. He said, Walt was the one that told him to kill this other chick. And, and, and dude, don't ask. I was like just trying to argue with him so he would just like, you know, chill. But uh, how about you stop babbling? Just tell us what happened to them. Where are they? Were you? Where the hell did they go, Tubby? Oh, awesome. The ship sent us another Sawyer. I thought you meant that Hurley would be like, all right, I admit it. My best friend ran off with my girlfriend. I stole lasagna while running out of the insane asylum. Yeah, And the worst thing I ever did was uh, I I love the start of the Hurley and Miles relationship. It's going to mm-hmm. be, you know, we're going to really need to spend like it's going to be a while before that really becomes a thing. But Hurley's whole, oh, good. We've got another Sawyer. And just the way that he's able to respond to a guy like Miles right now. 
not taking it hard, being more like, you know, comfortable in his position on the island, but still just being like, oh, great. This is exactly what we needed is this freaking guy. Now, I agree that based on the way things led up to this reveal of Hurley, that we should trust that indeed he was left behind. And also that Hurley is a relatively good guy who doesn't lie a lot. But his choice of words is interesting because he said he was left behind. The last person to say that in that titular episode was none other than Juliet Burke, who is also lying. I think now, Josh, the words left behind have no meaning. If someone says they're left behind, they're lying. Yeah, we got to leave left behind behind, I think is absolutely correct. Uh, It's wild that Hurley's lying. You know, on the one hand, it's like, dude, no, don't lie to Saeed. On the other hand, Hurley's in a tough situation here. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he's checking with Locke. This is what Locke is saying for Hurley to do. And I want to give Hurley some props for, like, arc of improvement. Oh, um, absolutely. This this is a guy who could barely look people in the eye when he lied beforehand. Now he is really giving this straight narrative, really playing the role of the guy that, that Locke exiled from the group, much like he'll do with Kate next episode. Hurley pulls off a pretty great con here. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is, like, I feel like... Um, I think that Hurley, you know, last season, uh, like sat on the beach with Juliet and was was very good to just like, you know, be in that spot. We talked about that. And now Hurley is like being able to just like do what is right for the cause, even if the cause is kind of dubious. Uh, So I think like just in sort of like the being good at being bad thing, uh, I would I would give Hurley a couple of points of props here for uh, the way that he's able to convincingly lie to Saeed is not nothing. You know, yeah, lying exactly. to Saeed is a really big deal. The human lie detector. He has really gotten under his skin in that regard. He's under but, the radar. Yeah. But Hurley essentially puts out there, well, before Block timed me up, he said that they took the group to Ben's house. And so we'll talk about that later on. That's who they're targeting. But for now, Josh, we get some some talking baseball here. Some casual chat between Jack Shepard and Frank Lapidus. Yeah. So let's go back to the helicopter. We'll pick up the Red Sox conversation. and We will finish out the time travel. Mind if I ask you a question? Shoot. The Red Sox really win the series. Hey, don't get me started on that, all right? My dad's from the Bronx. I bleed Yankee blue. Can't believe it's been a hundred days since I've seen a game. Oh. <laughs> it's the payload. It's finally here. What is that? It's a rocket. Is Minkowski a Red Sox fan? Could that have been the straw that broke the camel's back for Frank Lapidus? <laughs> you asshole. Yeah, I want to think that that's right. I want to think that that's right. And so I think uh, uh, many Red Sox fans at that time were intolerable. Uh, <laughs> having gone to college with so many uh, people who I deeply love, by the way, I should suggest. Uh, but uh, also very difficult to be around. I love this idea, though, of Jack shooting the shit about baseball. You know, it's a guy he's been so concentrated on these on island things for so long that 
it is interesting to hear Jack talk about something trivial. His mind has already gone off island that he is now really trusting these people fully. They're just sort of cracking wise about the Red Sox versus the Yankees. I think it actually speaks volumes about how Jack's mindset has already shifted. He's already seen rescue in front of him that when this payload arrives and Daniel Faraday, Doc Brown style, when he sent his dog into the future, sees the two clocks side by side, that there is some weirdness to maybe complicate those future games that Jack will attend. Yes, uh, I think that that's compelling. I would. I wish that uh, Jack and Frank were able to go to a game together. Alas. Yeah, would you? Would you imagine? Because obviously they both make their way off the island. Do you think they just immediately go their separate ways? Do you think Frank is consorting with the Oceanic? Yeah, Six? they never. They never see each other again until the flight to Guam. Unless Frank shaved and Jack just doesn't recognize him, and so Frank <laughs> like tries to get his attention. He's like, "Have we met before?" That would, be then, very, that would not be like Jack. Jack remembers everyone. That's uh, actually very true. He's not face blind. Correct. Correct. Um, all right, back at the barracks. This is when they're going to be scouting Ben's house and looking for anything that might suggest where they've gone. Um, so Saeed's going to find this bookcase. It's a fake door. He goes in. Uh, this is where there's all of the the international money and all of yeah. the various Ben identities. So one of the Ben identities is Dean Moriarty, which works on a number of levels. I believe that's actually a name of a character in Jack Kerouac's On the Road, which is sort of like a freewheeling free agent type of character, which speaks to Benjamin Linus. And of course, the last name speaks to Sherlock Holmes' nemesis and what was considered, you know, the first arch villain, really, in literary history. Correct. Uh, so I think that that, that fits really uh, perfectly, the, the, the second of those two for me. Um, but he's got all these different passports and all this different currency. Um, and we don't really get enough time to process that because elsewhere, Sawyer enters a room with Kate. Mm-hmm. And look at Kate being ride or die by shouting out for Saeed instantly. Yeah, and, so, and Sawyer's a little hurt by that. They'll sort some stuff out in the next couple of episodes, but it turns out that it was all a trap. I love uh, Rousseau takes Saeed at gunpoint, and she does a, a sort of textbook, I'm so sorry, but not in the way that you love it, Josh. But it turns out Hurley was used as bait here to get... Much like the man from Tallahassee, every time Saeed and Kate sneak into Dharmaville, they get caught almost instantaneously. Yeah. Um, so they get caught almost instantaneously. Hurley's like, sorry, dude. Didn't mean to do it, but I had to do it. And Saeed is like, it's all good, Hurley. Don't worry about it. Like, I'm not going to hurt you. You're fine. Yeah, because uh, Hurley points out he was there on that day that Saeed did that breakdancing thing you do with your legs to kill one of the others. Yeah. Uh, so he says, you know, nothing's going to happen. You're fine. And Hurley's like, listen, you'll just have to like, forgive me. I've seen you do stuff. Uh, they put him into the game room and there's a guest. Benjamin Linus is here. And this is the first official meeting of sight and Benjamin in this episode, at least as far as we know. I guess they're running out of jail space. I lost a dollar, you know. How'd you manage that? I bet, John, that you wouldn't be stupid enough to fall for your friend as bait. What do you know about friendship? I know it's no use having friends you can't trust. Oh, Saeed's so pissed. He's like, once upon a time I had you locked up somewhere. Now I'm in here with you. Yeah. How um, the turntables. 
So I've received uh, the photo of Mike Bloom with his straightened out Beatles hair, and it's terrifying. Yeah, uh, listen, I was not lying that it it's is terrifying. pure nightmare fuel. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> it's it's bad. It's really, really bad. I, I didn't realize, so obviously at the time I had a Jufro, and so we weren't entirely sure what would happen if I shrained it. This is when I went to, to NYU to visit one of my best friends on a lark during a, a spring break. And it turns out that, yeah, it all fell down. And it, it all fell down in a bad way. It's yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty terrifying. Yeah, uh, not not a not a look that uh, I'd recommend. Uh, yeah, maybe, that you maybe I'll make a push in the push or recaps Discord to turn it into an emote for when things per- are just uh, yes. an, an uncanny valley. It is it is a perfect uncanny valley emote. So if you'd like to slide into the Discord with that, Mike, I think that that would be great. Also, uh, we now know that in terms of. Debts being owed. I guess Ben owes Locke one dollar. I wonder if he ever paid him back on that. That's his salary. That's his <laughs> exactly. salary as an assassin. It's his um, allowance. It's his allowance. Uh, I love this. I, I love like the tension between Said and Ben in this, especially when you juxtapose it against where the where the greater episode is going uh, and where this narrative is going. And like I mentioned before, I love the comparisons to where things were in season two because, like we said. While this relationship is going to go somewhere very different in the flash forward, as we'll find out at the end, this relationship was also very different a couple of seasons ago. You know, this was Saeed was the very first person that was on to Ben. Now the jailer is in the cell with the prisoner. They're on the same level. That's got to sting. Yeah, Uh, I I think this is is this the first time we've had like a really significant Ben and Saeed scene since season two? Well, right, because they've been I'm separated sure. yeah. Yeah, since they got let go. And, and Saeed was with Jack's group when they were at the radio tower, but Jack sort of bogarted Saeed to himself, and then Ben went off with Locke. So this is really the first meeting of the minds between these two, and really the first time with Ben as Benjamin Linus proper. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, it's, it's easy to forget that, like, people have been scattered to the winds, and so we have... Uh, We've missed a couple of these types of interactions, but certainly not the last we will see of Saeed and Ben together. Uh, Kate and Sawyer are going to have a moment uh, where uh, they get into this whole, like, why are you with Locke? I'm not with him. Why are you with Jack? I'm not with him. Well, all right. Well, okay. Yeah. And this is one of those textbook scenes that we saw in season one, where this is really, I think, more so setting up the events of Eggtown and all the Sawyer and Kate stuff that's going on here, that it's, it sticks out a little bit. I mean, I guess Kate's going to end up sticking with the group for the time being, and I guess we had to have the seeds planted here where Sawyer basically points out, hey, uh, you got a lot to go back to on, on off the island, and not in a good way. That's why I'm now leaving. There's actually some very interesting, uh, not necessarily symmetry, but mirroring here when Sawyer says, that's the difference between us. I ain't looking to leave because I ain't got nothing back there for me. Not only does it contrast so nicely with Born to Run when Sawyer says, I'm getting on the raft because there's nothing for me on this island. Now he's saying the opposite. But it also contrasts really nicely to season six, where Sawyer is going to end up leaving the island alongside Kate. Right. Um, so it's it's interesting that like they are, you know, we're kind of in this moment where we are, uh, we're going to we're going to go our separate ways with them pretty soon. Like we're in like the, the final phase of their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, of, of, of at least the romantic aspect of their relationship while they are together. Yeah. Uh, so we're in the final phase of that. They're going to play house for as long as we can. Turns out as long as we can is like a couple days. 
at at most. I at I think most. Kate's there for like twelve hours, maybe. Yeah. Though I do really love that exchange of how long do you think we can play house? Why don't we find out? I, I just really like that moment because it fully embraces and makes mention of the fact that they they do try to garner this fantasy when they're together, that they are clearly seeking something in the other person that just isn't there that they will find eventually with other people. I know that I've complained about the love quadrangle in the past, and there are certainly scenes in this episode that I, I don't like that speak to that, but I actually really like this scene because sort of like in The Man from Tallahassee, that scene between Kate and Jack, how much it speaks about their relationship. I think this exchange between Kate and Sawyer also speaks a lot about their relationship. Totally. Absolutely. Um, how about the relationship between Saeed and Locke? Uh, oh, they're they're going to say the relationship between Locke and Ice T. No, uh, Locke loves Ice T. Uh, this is, by the way, I believe this is the second glass of Ice T Saeed has enjoyed in uh, a few weeks now. Yeah, I think he's like, oh, you know what? Mikhail was so hospitable yeah. before he attacked us when we were at the flame station. Maybe I should try the same tactic. Yeah, so he's going to make some iced tea. He's bringing it to Saeed. Uh, just like as a peace offering. I, I remember you like iced tea. Uh, so he brews up some iced tea. He brings it to Saeed. And the negotiations occur. Iced tea. Thought you might be thirsty. I'm thirsty. I'm sorry about all the theatrics, but uh, I didn't know how many of you there'd be or whether you'd be armed, I had to cover my bases. What have you done with Miles and Kate? Kate's with Sawyer, and Miles is somewhere else. He's fine. All I did was ask him some questions. Did he answer any? No. Did you have more luck with the woman you captured? Not particularly. Then why don't you turn her over to me? Why would I do that? I agree that these people are liars. And they're certainly not here to rescue us. But if I return safely with Charlotte, they'll take me to their ship. It's our best chance of finding out who they are and what they really want. Well then, I can save you a lot of trouble, Saeed, because Ben says he's got a spy on the boat. Who? It's a secret. Forgive me, but the day I start trusting him is the day I would have sold my soul. Give me Charlotte. Allow me to do things my way. Or a war is coming which we will both be powerless to stop. Why would I give you Charlotte for nothing? Oh, I think you misunderstood me. I never expected you to give it to me for nothing. Should we call the young Charlotte we see in Dharmaville in the 70s Charlittle and this <laughs> modern day incarnation Charlotte? Charlotte. Yeah, I think that's correct. <laughs> Absolutely. So this is Charlotte. That one is Charlittle. Um... I, uh, a couple things that come to mind in terms of like, if this episode's not called The Economist, what do you call it? I think a couple candidates emerge here. Haha. Uh, one being these people are liars. Oh, I like that. I like they like, that. They, 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 they like using lines mm -hmm. as episode titles, aka he's are you, whatever yes. happened, happened. And I like these people are liars, I think is good. Uh, and then I also like it's a secret. Uh, from oh, Benjamin Lyons. They're going to say, I'd like some iced tea would be yeah. an episode title iced for this. Iced tea. Iced tea uh, would be would be another good and one. And then instead of Elsa, it's iced tea is the one that Saeed romances to uh -huh. try to get information out of. <laughs> yes. Dong dong. Uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of like substance here, first of all, it's just Saeed making a cool move. 
secondly, it's um, it's clearly like we're we're connecting where we're going deeper in uh, the flash forward, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're connecting the uh, the fact that Said is like fully out on Benjamin Linus here, and of course, by the end of the episode, we will come to realize that, yeah, you know. Yeah, never say never. Never say never. Never say never. Another good name for the episode. Oh, that'd be interesting. A Justin Bieber crossover before it even before I'm assuming Justin Bieber was even born. But this is also interesting in that much like the shrouding of secrecy as to Hurley's plan, we really didn't know that much about what Saeed was going to do once he sat down with Locke. And then whether he figured this out on the way or when he proposed the idea to Jack, we now find out what the full terms of the negotiation are. Whereas Saeed essentially says, hey, uh, you're not, we're meaning halfway here. I'm not just saying, give me Charlotte. I'm saying I'm giving you someone in exchange for Charlotte. And we'll find that out later on. But I do like that turn at the end that Saeed says, oh, you're mistaken. No, no, no. I'm not stupid. I know how to negotiate here. We go back to the to the future. And we come to find that uh, Saeed and Elsa have really gotten cozy. He's been here for a few weeks now. There's this really awkward thing of, you know, this is a network TV show where they do that stupid thing of, okay, they're in bed, but we can't show nudity. So Elsa has the, the sheet draped across her lower half and her breasts, but her stomach is left bare. It is the oddest consortment of drapery. Um, so she's gonna like, she's gonna call her boss she's like waiting for her boss Said is now going to decide he cares enough about Elsa that he wants to give her the heads up to like get out of Dodge before shit gets very real um this is that confrontation and it ends with a gunshot so just a sound warning that that's coming Elsa you have to leave Berlin what you can't be here anymore. What do you mean? Why would I? People would be asking questions soon about what happened to your employer. And you can't be around to answer them. My employer? This, this is about my boss? Who are you? There's nothing to do with that. Cafe? You meant to meet me there? You used me to get to my boss. What did you say? People ask what happened to him? It's best you don't know. You're gonna kill him? You're gonna kill him? Do you even know him? His name is on a list. A list? What list? You have a list? My employers. And who is that? It doesn't matter who he is. You just kill people because you're on a list, innocent people. The man you're working for is not an economist. Yup, Saeed got duped. So how many times does Saeed get shot? Uh, on this show he shoots himself in the leg in season one Mm -hmm. he gets shot in the shoulder by mikhail in season three he he gets shot here in the flash forward he's going to get shot in uh, season five yeah like that will eventually kill him technically speaking yeah so you know maybe in addition to the ben beatdown which is the saeed shoot down 
ranking of all the times Saeed gets shot in terms, not shot. I think shot. that's it. I think that's it. I'm pretty sure that's it, but someone correct us if we're wrong. How many times yeah. has Saeed been shot? Um, but man, like, is this the same exact place he got shot by Mikhail as well? Like, because <laughs> that's that poor shoulder. Yes. Though I will say, bad look on Elsa's part. You shoot to kill, you know? Because he, she, when she calls her employer, she even says, he can't give us any more information about who he's working for. He is useless from that perspective. Obviously, she is also a trained assassin here to take down Saeed as well. Just get, just get it out of the way. Saeed is the one who's able to, to make the killing blow. And arguably, Elsa would be still walking around doing her own assignments if she was able to follow through and shoot Saeed in the heart instead of the shoulder. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, uh, yeah, I think it's the TV thing, right? Like she doesn't go and like finish the job. Yeah, uh, she was just she. The, the, he caught her monologuing. Uh huh. He did in German. Exactly, uh, but I I think it's it's an interesting turn. So let me ask this question, Josh. I want I want to go so far as to say that Said was in love with Elsa, but do you think even at this point when his heart has been so callous with the loss of Nadia, do you think he had feelings for Elsa? Uh, yeah, I do. I think that this is very disappointing. I think uh, Saeed, and I think that maybe this is an argument for why Saeed and Shannon are good together in the end, uh, is that, like, Saeed falls hard and falls fast for people. <laughs> uh, and, like, I think really, even more than he's looking for Nadia, he's looking for love. He's looking in all to be, the wrong places. He's looking for love and he's looking to be accepted. And so like, he's constantly looking for that stuff. And so he's, he thinks he found it again here. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe that. Like it's possible that like I can love again, uh, which mm. is like sort of like a cycle that he goes through a lot. And then yeah. he's disappointed. to not only find out that no, that's not going to happen, but also I have to kill this person. I don't know if I like that. I don't know. There's something from my perspective about how much I like the finality of after Nadia dies, Saeed is essentially done with love or done with those types of emotions. I absolutely understand what you're saying from a psychological perspective. It's a really interesting part of Saeed's personality that despite him, to your point, being the most level-headed out of really any of the characters on the show, he sort of has one Achilles heel and it falls into this vicious cycle. But much like I think the whole uh, the whole ending with Saeed's character does as well, I think it unfortunately betrays the finality and the importance of the Nadia of it all if it's still like yeah i lost what i thought was the love of my life but i'm still gonna fall for people i understand how that happens for the character but it just sucks for nadia that even after her death he's still you know holding small candles for people yeah um but i i i kind of like that that's sort of just like saeed's trap uh and it's not mm. even so much a trap it's like saeed's like pull he is he is he Ha- he he has such a hard time loving himself that he he needs that from other sources. Yeah, um, I, and, I, and I do like good on Saeed's true assassin instincts for him to distract Elsa by shooting the mirror before shooting her. Yeah. Elsa could not let it go enough uh, to really kill Saeed in that moment. She had to let him linger on the bed while calling her employer. But I also like the symbolism of the fact that Saeed shoots the mirror because... Saeed is, is a cracked reflection of himself at this point. I think as much as you might talk about the similarities in the the feelings that Saeed has romantically speaking with a bunch of these people, I think the person that Saeed looks in the mirror with every day not only is physically different with the choice of hairstyle, but also morally different in that what he is allowing himself to do, what he is allowing himself to, to really 
get away with in whatever pursuit it may be. He's become a cracked version of himself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like sort of like Funhouse mirror type. Um, like maybe he's looking in the mirror in that moment. It's like, look what I've become. What has happened to me? I mean, the hair is great, but everything else is yeah, pretty exactly. bad. He's just turned from beauty to now, I guess, beauty and the beast because he's still a handsome man. He's still a handsome man. Um, back at the helicopter clearing, uh, Desmond's like pushing Frank. I'm like, why did Naomi have a picture of me? And Frank's like, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I think he's speaking on behalf of the writers there. Of like, we don't know that much about Naomi at this yeah, point. I've got it's no insane. idea, man. Leave me alone. Uh, and so Desmond's like, all right, well, I'm going to go to your boat and find out I'm getting on this helicopter and there's nothing you can do to stop me. So fun fact, this is going to be the last time Desmond is on the island until the package until season six. Yes. It's crazy. That's That's, crazy. So that's even, I wouldn't say it's even crazier than the fact that this is the last time that, uh, Juliet and Ben see each other in chronological order, but yeah, the rest of season four is going to have Desmond on the freighter the entire time. Season five, he's going to be off island, then he's going to pop back up in the box in season six. So this is really bidding adieu to the place that Desmond spent three years. Yeah, um, you know, it, I think it's like kind of like uh, it's it's easy to forget that that happens here because so much else is going on. And that like the Desmond uh, of it all is going to be really concentrated in the constant pretty soon. But yeah, he's done with the island until basically the end of the show. Uh, until like his final arc uh, until, he, is, until he's forced back there by the father of the 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 freighter to which he's flying to yeah uh so he's gonna stay on the helicopter side comes back with charlotte uh kate has chosen to stay yeah there's a lot of now that i'm looking back at it there's a lot of stuff that happens off camera in this episode that we're supposed to sort of connect the dots i know this is going to be filled in next episode but i had forgotten up to this point that kate vocally deciding to stay behind is something that does not happen on screen and ultimately i'm not furious with it but like i do think like there is a degree to which a lot of like things like a lot of decisions get made without our uh involvement right for the sake of the reveal yeah that i don't necessarily like dislike i just i feel like maybe i err towards like neutral on it you know Mm -hmm. Um, it feels feels odd in a show that uh, interestingly enough in a show that is all about the mysteries i do feel like we oftentimes know more than the characters do. This is the instance where it's the opposite, where they have seen things that we haven't. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Frank is like, you you cheated. You traded Charlotte for Miles? He's like, yeah, I did. And I think that uh, Saeed betted on this part where Frank's like, well, it's a good thing that Miles sucks, so I yeah. don't really care. I think Saeed had a great read where he saw the reaction between Frank and Miles. This is like very much a survivor thing, right? Of okay, we're getting one, we're we're getting one voting one person out of the Freighter Alliance. Let's go for who is sort of at the bottom of the totem pole. Who does Frank Lapidus like the least, and would be the least uh, opposed to, or most, yeah, least opposed to getting rid of? And here's Miles, and so Frank is more than happy to do so. I also really like the touch from Rebecca Mater of, ironically enough, the touch that Saeed gives to Charlotte when he's bringing her over. He, like, puts his hand on her shoulder and she recoils for a second, showing that she is still far from comfortable despite the fact that she is not under Locke's capture anymore. Correct. Uh, I also really like um, when uh, Saeed's about to leave and he and Jack have, like, a quick conversation, right? And Saeed's like, you sure you don't want to go? And Jack says, this really tickled me on this rewatch, Mike. As much as I love a helicopter ride, 
This one's all you. I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but I have been up in the air once I or twice. I love flying. I do love to fly, but you know, this one's all you. Um, Saeed insists uh, that they take back Naomi since they're only taking two. Right, uh, Frank had said we've got room for three. Right, and, so and Char- Charlotte stays behind. She says she has mm-hmm. work to do, which again speaks to the reason why she was happy to come back to the island. Faraday is staying behind for Charlotte. I think now more so hinting towards the feelings that he is kindling for her a little bit. And so Said says, "Oh, room for one more. Let's bring the corpse aboard." Yeah, so they're going to bring her, and then it's what we listened to at the start. It's really cathartic to watch Said leave, but again, the music sort of just like guides you through the full gamut of the emotions. That it's mm-hmm. yes, it's cathartic. Yes, it's the romantic notion of escape, and yet we have glimpsed into the future, and we know that leaving is not necessarily good for this man. Exactly. And that's the music really shows there. You hear Saeed's infamous theme, the da 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 da. And I think having that be the character we're lensing this through of like the first character to escape, right? The first character who gets to leave, the first member of Oceanic 815 who gets to go, uh, since I guess uh, Michael, uh, who we're getting to soon. But Uh, but not a member of the Oceanic Six. Like Desmond's not really a member as well. And these are people that we know eventually leave the island, but we don't exactly know at this moment. So yeah, it's, it's a really unique touch that he's the character one of the characters we know who is going to leave the island and we know how he's going to do so at least in this moment that he is the first one to step foot off the island out of the entire oceanic six and it's a big moment i also love say it's sort of badass note of him putting his foot up and looking out over the side i would not do that because i would be afraid i would fall out and face plant back on that grass on the island but he's got a nice casual look to the fact that this is a big deal yeah, he, I would be scared to do it as well. Um, we leave the island, we leave this present timeline, and we end in the future with the iconic ending of The Economist. One of 20, I would say. Take your shirt off. But they know I'm after them now. 
good. So, Josh, I know when we did our infamous brain steal of Lost Endings, I know you had said at the time that this was a little bit more of a nothing burger ending, I think, compared to some of the bigger ones, but... It's it's still pretty seismic. Did I say that? I don't remember saying. I think that. I think when we were comparing it to the other ones that we were up against, we were up against some pretty big ones. You know, there's no place like home. G on to compare a couple of other season four endings, which are just gut punches. I mean, this is a huge deal. Yeah, gotta, I, we, I feel like I got to just. I, I have no recollection of saying that. And it's certainly not how I feel right now. Uh, like I think that the the revelation that Benjamin Linus gets off the island and is in this future timeline is massive. Yeah, we, it's we, huge. We got, we got a question from Dallin Serva. What was more shocking, Ben being off the island or Saeed working for him? Definitively the former. Yeah, absolutely, positively the former because Correct. Ben was speaking on behalf of the island for so long. It raises so many questions, including through the shape of things to come, as to, okay, why would this guy who lies that he was born on the island, says he's speaking for the island, does things specifically for what he claims is the island, why is he off the island? How did he get to this point? Did he purposely leave to try to hold control over these people? That ends up not being the case. But it was a huge question, and it also sets up this idea that the Oceanic Six we're not the only characters we know to leave the island. And that's going to set up Desmond leaving, mm-hmm, Frank leaving. Frank, that, yeah. yeah, that we're not just leaving it up to six. That six was more so the tip of the iceberg. Right. Yeah. So it's a, it's a huge reveal. And it, it sets up a very big tone for where things could go. And I also think, um, you know, one of the discussion points that comes out of this in the in the live viewing of the show is, oh, is Ben going to be the guy in the coffin? You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, he's definitely a candidate for that. He would elicit the reaction that Jack and Kate are having. So I think that Ben being in the coffin was a was not just a um, uh, a big uh, theory. But I think the show was leaning into that with Bentham, you know, Jeremy mm-hmm. Bentham. Like, I think like the show wanted us to think that Ben was the one. Um, like even Saeed referring to like Bentham is dead when he talks to to Hurley. Uh, which is another thing that along the lines of like, uh, who's your guy on the boat? I don't love. Yeah. It's like, no one's calling him Bentham. His name is John Locke. Come so on. then in the final scene of there's no place like home, when we see Jack in the funeral parlor and Ben walks in, it's a shock because right. we thought this entire time that, okay, he's neither friend nor enemy. Ben's the guy in the coffin. Clearly he made his way off Island and somehow he died. And now they have to bring him back. No, no, no. Ben is off island here for a much larger purpose, and there's someone else there. I love this final scene. I love the scene setting of them being in a vet's office. It does feel very mob-esque, right? There's the whole trope of when people get, get into shady dealings that they don't they can't receive medical care, so they do so through other means, including in this office. But also the idea that Said at this point is kind of Ben's pet. You know, he's he's obedient to him. He has trained him in a way to be loyal to his master. Whereas Saeed at this point said, you know, I'll never be your dog. I would sell my soul to Ben. Consider this soul sold or at least gone at this moment, because here Saeed is getting stitched up for him, obeying people on his list. And there's also a big, fun Ben Linus badass moment at the end here with they know I'm after them now. Good. Blomp. Yeah, uh, I think it's great. I think it's cool. I love it. Um, it's another one of those examples of like, does a powerhouse ending make like an otherwise like good episode of Lost like great? Mm-hmm. For me, no, not in the case of this one. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think it's, I, I really like this episode a lot. I definitely, definitely do. 
Um, but I, it, it doesn't, it doesn't chart as like a King of the Mountain, uh, type of episode for me, despite the fact that it has a really amazing ending. It's solid is what I would say. And I think the, the ending is very big, like we've talked about, but I agree that it's not so next level, like the ending of, ooh, and no, not ooh and found the whole truth that just raises it into a completely different tier. It, it, yeah. This is a very fun twist and a slightly above average, I think, lost ending that just raises a lot of questions. But that also speaks to the watermark for lost endings in general. That's what the show is known for up to this point. And I think it did a great job of doing what a lot of these lost endings do, setting up this big reveal and asking more questions than it answers. Um, this is from the great Riley Wigmore, who gave this episode what he describes as an easy 4.2. Uh, Riley says, I know that isn't a common opinion, but I don't know. This episode really does it for me. It's my favorite Saeed episode. It's my favorite of the season four regular flash forwards. Saeed as an assassin is just so cool. It's basically Saeed as James Bond, and it works. I love the ending twist. One of the best twists of all of Lost. And I also love the end reveal of Saeed's relationship and that Saeed and Elsa were both using each other. Uh, a fantastic mini twist that I didn't see coming before the bigger Ben reveal. Also, the on-island stuff is fantastic. I don't see the slow complaint for the first half of the season. Riley, I'm, you know, uh, coming around on that. Um, although I think I may get back into it in an episode or two from now. Uh, maybe next week. Um, Saeed going and getting Charlotte back, trading Miles for him. Also, the scenes between Sawyer and Kate and Saeed and Locke and Ben are some really amazing scenes. Add on to that the great setup for the constant and Daniel's experiments, and you start to realize some of what is wrong with time on the island. To me, it feels like the plot is still really moving through these first three episodes. It's a strong 4.2 for me. That's from Riley. So just wanted to give voice to that because uh, mm -hmm. I, I believe Riley is uh, the lone 4.2, one 4.1. There's a four as well. But the others are like nothing lower than a three. I think nothing yep. lower than a 3.1. Um, so like everybody's like in the threes and that's absolutely, you know, we're, we're in that spot too. I think Mike, we have the same score. In fact, in fact, yeah, let's just give it away right now. Uh, let's do some time displacement. We both gave it a 3.5. Yes. Uh, 3.5 from Mike, 3.5 from me. And it averaged out to 3.7 from the audience. Uh, so yeah. the audience's average is a little higher than you and I, I could be convinced to go a little higher than a 3.5 myself, frankly. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, you know, I gave confirmed dead a 3.7. I like it a little bit less than confirmed dead. I actually really, it's, I, it's on the same level for me as something like catch 22, which I think you sort of have feelings towards catch 22 as Riley does for, uh, totally. for, for the economist actually since you both gave it 4.2s for me it's like it's a solid episode this is still in the great i think it's a really lost solid yet. episode of lost but i would describe it as that it's a it's a 3.56 overall it's the number three episode of season four so far both sequentially and in our rankings and i think that the sequential uh the sequential nature of our rankings will continue next week before yep, being disrupted hitting a huge spike in the constant yeah. and then maybe hitting a bit of a nadir in the other women according to some of these rankings that we're already getting in right now yeah, we've got rankings for the constant uh, coming in right now. And just to spoil it, uh, the constant is currently our only perfect 4.2 episode all the way. So you trolls don't come in and ruin this just to throw off your scores. No, if, if you, you don't if actually you, feel that if way, you've got if you've got a reason, let us know. Like if you have like a legitimate reason, reason it out. You know, right? Give us your honest score. We want your honest yeah. score. But it looks like right now the honest scores. Or 4.2s across right. the board. That, that, that's what I mean. Is If you have a legitimate reason why you don't love the constant, 
That's absolutely fine. If you're doing it more so to spike the score so that through the looking glass or yeah, Exodus that sucks. top that it. Like, don't, 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 ju- don't game the system. Don't, don't play juke with the, the numbers system. here. Absolutely agreed. Completely agreed. Um, all right. Some more feedback. Uh, this is from uh, Daniel Brennan. Why exactly does Saeed have to kill these people for Ben? And in what way does this protect his friends? I mean, I think that it does feel like a I don't know. Is it, do you think it's a Ben methodology to say, let's waste all the guys that are affiliated with Charles Winmore here to give him less power? Yeah, it could be that. It could also be like some measure of vengeance as he's on his way to like killing Penny, right? Because he mm-hmm. wants justice for Alex is a big piece of this. Uh, so like, you know, for Saeed, it could be like, we have to protect your friends. They killed your wife. They're going to kill your friends. Maybe they're not going to. It could also um, be. A, it could also be a thing where Ben is now firmly in Widmore territory, right? When Widmore came to the island, that was on Ben's turf. Now, through a series of events, Ben is now out in the real world, and this is definitely more so Widmore's turf than his turf. He hasn't been here for you know nine or ten years, give or take a few visits that yeah. he makes, and now he knows that Widmore has many more allies at this point than Ben does. I could imagine his game plan at this point is. Well, if Widmore finds out where I am, I am screwed. I am dead. I exiled this man from the island. I stopped his attempts to find the island once more. I got to look out for myself. I got to take out as many of his his stooges as possible. Uh, Stefan Johnson says, who is the better spy, Elsa or Anna? I mean, Saeed. I mean, Anna uh, was, you know, it's actually very Hurley-esque in Frozen, right? She was very forthcoming. Or, or is, is that another Disney animated movie that you've never seen, Josh? No, I've seen, I've seen Frozen. I have. I have. I will say Saeed survives the encounter. So I think Saeed ultimately is the winner. Yeah, I think Elsa is the more deceptive one. Because I could imagine that, if, you know, I do wonder what intel she had if she knew that Saeed was, was an undercover agent. Or if she just caught on more so than Saeed did as to who was working whom. But I think what Elsa does in her acting skills, she lacks in maybe her firepower, whereas Saeed, yeah. I think, has more of the latter. Let's do MVP LVPs, Mike. Um, you've got three MVPs. I've got two. I've got three LVPs. You've got two. Lead us off. All right, let's give one to the man himself. Let's give it to Saeed, not only for his fantastic negotiation skills on island, but the fact that with the exception of the Elsa stuff, he's a pretty damn good assassin. Yeah, uh, the Elsa stuff is what almost... Uh, caused me to not give him an MVP point at all, uh, rather than giving him an LVP point. But I actually, I'm, I'm just going to do it anyway. I'm giving him the MVP point. He gets off the island. Yeah. Uh, he like he walks a very straight line and figures out exactly what he wants to do, and he totally achieves it. He convinces Jack that he's the di- he's the diplomat, he's the negotiator. Um, so I think Saeed really earns this MVP point for me. Saeed with two MVP points overall here in season four. I'm going to give uh, my second MVP point to someone who hasn't gotten one since the beginning a couple of episodes ago or the beginning of the end. I'm going to give one to Hurley here. We commended him before his ability to be able to trick Saeed, Kate, the human lie detector himself got duped a rare time by Hurley Reyes. That is fantastic. And so I think Hurley plays his part well and even stands up to John Locke. A little bit in this episode, maybe uh, helping sow some discord within Locke's group as to whether they should trust him as a leader. My final MVP point goes to Benjamin Linus. He, we don't know yet how, but he's going to get off the island. So that's a plus uh, that he's alive in the future is a plus. But the biggest one, in addition to the fact that it's just such a cool scene, is that he has broken Saeed. Mm. Uh, the fact that Ben has gotten himself at least in a position of power in relation to Saeed is enormous 
and I think worthy of a point for sure. And honestly, every episode that passes that Benjamin Linus isn't dead, I give him credit for. Because you give him like a King Daddy Quan secret point? Yeah, because like he was on the ropes. He nearly died in the last episode, but he is very smartly keeping this silly I have a spy on the boat thing going because he knows that's the power that keeps him alive at this point. So despite the fact that Locke hates his guts and won't give him iced tea and he's still a prisoner, the fact that he is still there and essentially back home in a manner of speaking, I do think should earn him some kudos as well on Island. Yeah. Um, all right. And I, and I, so, got, and I, got, I got one more MVP point. Yes. I'm giving it to Bill Nye, the science guy, giving it to Daniel Faraday here because he starts to figure out that things are wonky with the island. He's going to try to instruct frank the way to go it's not going to go that way particularly well as we'll see in the constant but he unlocks a very key facet of the island that's going to open up so many more possibilities later on yeah totally fair faraday's first point uh here because we just dumped so many on frank last week which was great i have no regrets um lvps i've got three i already told you two of them one was for minkowski no one wants to talk to this guy uh one was for the golf guy yeah, Avellino. I'm just calling him golf guy. Uh, and Elsa also dies. Uh, so I'll give an LVP to Elsa. And I'm going to give an LVP point to Elsa as well, because, again, you shoot to kill Elsa. If he was worthless to you at this point, you got him on the ropes. He did not suspect that whatsoever. Kill him. Kill him in that moment and then make the phone call. It can wait. And then my other LVP point, I'm going to continue the streak here. Unfortunately, Miles gets another one here. He ends up you know, I, I think he, he doesn't realize exactly what's going on and that he ends up getting traded away, even though it does end up helping him in the end. I do think his behavior as well continues a bit of the, the snickery asshole that we were introduced to last episode. So I think Miles' unfortunate streak of not having the best start in loss continues. Yeah, uh, so Miles is bringing up the rear here. Uh, Miles is bringing up the rear here in uh, Season 4 with negative 3, uh, anchoring our LVPs. Uh, so got a feeling he may be our lvp of season four yeah i mean maybe there's a chance that we might give some to i don't know kimi, like kimi well, yeah. but kimi might earn some ethan points for doing like i don't some, know some yeah, impressive hard things. to say hard so to say we, we might give some to widmore for some of the things that he does just like by principle despite the fact that he's not on the island we shall see we shall see all right and we've already given our 4.2 stars out which we were doing out of sequence i expect that will continue uh i think that's a fun season four tradition mike and then season five will really be traveling through time. Uh, yeah, we'll actually start the episode with our episode ratings we're, that we're, time. We're, we're breaking the structure here uh, on Down the Hatch. So 3.56. This came in while we were recording Brooklyn Zed with their review of The Economist. Uh, they said, my highly nuanced reaction to The Economist is three emojis with hard eyes, one shocked face, three emojis with crying face, and a final shocked face. I love this. I love it. People, <laughs> people try to sum up lost episodes in, yeah. in emojis. I know that uh, the Pawnee Public Radio podcast, hosted by your friend of mine, Hannah Shapiro, likes to sum up their podcast in emojis. Maybe we could have people try to sum up lost episodes in emojis as well. Yeah, that could work. All right. So that is The Economist coming next. Coming out next uh, is Eggtown, uh, which we are recording on February 12th. Mm -hmm. which is the day that we are releasing this podcast, The Economist. It's almost certainly too late to send in your feedback for Eggtown, but it's not too late to send in all of your feedback all the way up to meet Kevin Johnson. Would be very helpful if you got that stuff in early, your ratings, your feedback. We will always, of course, 
be able to correct the record as we get deeper into it. But we are doing this binge recording so that I can focus on the new gig, which I'm very, very pumped about. And I'm uh, grateful for all of you who are uh, who are being supportive as we are doing what we got to do to keep down the hatch running. I'm so excited for you, Josh. It's going to be this, fun. For this be new opportunity. Certainly less uh, bloodthirsty than being an assassin, though we shall see. But I don't next, know where this is going to take me. Maybe I'll be the one who straightens my hair by the end of this. Well, you better start speaking German. But uh-huh. next next week, Josh, we're talking about Eggtown. It's, you know, season three has been on fire so far. It's been a very solid streak of episodes. And I don't want to put the cart before the horse or the, the shell before the egg. I mean, it's a Kate episode. We know that those have not necessarily done the best. I think the highest Kate episode we have is like a 3.5 or a 3.4. And we get to see what happens with Kate off-island. It does have, I think, an ending that maybe raises it a little bit in what we were talking about before of just a next-level revelation. And I am so excited to get into that. I think it has an ending that may rescue it from the twos. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. Uh, I, I, I definitely agree with that. But I think on island if you're not a fan of kate and sawyer then maybe Town isn't necessarily your episode but there's there's going to be some stuff to talk about as to what pushes kate to stay on the island versus what actually pushes her to leave the i do think that there's an interesting arc on kate off island with her i think uh sort of facing up to her own actions and trying to find a new course than what she's faced before as we were speaking about that i think functions as a seminal part of her arc I think it's maybe just surrounded on, in true Kate episode fashion, some material that is not necessarily a material. All right. So that's the next podcast that's going to drop in your feed. But there is the opportunity to travel through time and enjoy the constant with Mike and I. You can be a fly on the wall as Mike and I talk about the constant live in front of a live audience for the first time on one of these recaps, if not necessarily the first time on Down the Hatch ever. Join the Discord. We will tell you how to join us to watch the constant. Patreon.com slash recaps. recording the constant live for the patrons on February 15th at 11 a.m. Eastern. You got work to do that day. You want to put something on in the background. We will be here live mm-hmm. podcasting down the hatch. Really easy to tune in. It'll be fun. Uh, so that's patreon.com slash host show recaps. Another reason to consider joining is something that Mike alluded to earlier. Mike Bloom and I have officially launched the Wiggle Bloom, uh, which is a semi-regular uh, podcast where Mike and I uh, it's the only podcast where Mike and I do bits. Exactly. And jokes. We are not silly whatsoever in any other podcast that yes. Josh and I do across any network. This is the opportunity to really undo the tie and just let loose. Let and it loose. So we're, we're going to be doing a bunch of different stuff, odds and ends in terms of concept of a podcast. But we did start with a brand steel. We got together the great grace leader who is doing some really fun stuff with brand steel on her own in the post show recaps discord and we did as voted upon by the patrons we did a survivor season of disney versus pixar versus dreamworks it was a wild season we gave josh a list of animated films to watch as well out of it so if you're in for three hours of brand steel fun if, if you're missing some survivor but you want to throw in some cartoons as well we had a very animated time talking about survivor animation domination on the wiggle bloom absolutely so check that out another reason to sign up for the patreon it is a good uh, three hour ish podcast How, over three hours. I believe we went over three hours from what I recall. Uh huh. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't look like anything to me. Uh, so check that out. Another reason to sign up 
for the Patreon. Plenty more shows coming your way, whether it's the Bloom Files that Mike and Angela are doing about the X-Files, or it's Everything is Super, where we're talking WandaVision. We've got a little bit of a delay on a long time to go, but we are getting that going next week with Attack of the Clones. Oh no, you're taking a, so long to talk about Attack of the Clones? <laughs> no, oh, I know some people probably disappointed and other people like, oh, thank God. Uh, but we'll get there. We will get there. Uh, all right, folks. Next week, Eggtown. Before then, if you'd like, time travel with us to talk about the constant. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.